Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Whew, it is Sunday morning, Colby. Um, man, I'm not sure where to start other than, did you have a good time on Saturday watching Oklahoma State's debut? Oh, no. No, of course I didn't. Um, no, not at all. It um, It was very concerning for a long time. They pulled away. I, I mean... Congrats on p- pulling away from Central Arkansas, a-, a thin roster when they had no legs left. Um, well done, I guess, in the fourth quarter. That's we got a lot to get into, Carson. That was a, a bit underwhelming, and I feel like um, I think we can just say this to start. W- when I said nine wins, I think maybe I misspoke. I think that was a misspeak. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to reevaluate after what we saw last night. Yeah, there's whew, there's a lot to get into. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast as always. Hope folks went by there before the game on Saturday. But yeah, Colby, let's just let's just get into the game. Um, I think I nailed this a little bit. I, I wish I'd been stronger in my conviction on them not looking so great in week one. Look, it's happened, what, three of the last four years. Uh, struggled to beat Missouri State. They went on to play in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think there's any chance this team's going to be able to turn that around. But there's something about the season openers. And then again, I, I kept harping on the fact you got a new defensive coordinator. You've got, you know, uncertainty at quarterback. You're rolling back out the Casey Dunn experiment, which has just been a complete calamity, uh, along with the Charlie Dickey experiment, which has been probably a bigger calamity. And I kind of expected OSU to struggle some, but I, I never, ever could have envisioned them getting physically matched by central Arkansas, not being able to run the football again against an inferior opponent. I mean, it's, it's the same old song and dance Colby. And we're going to get into a lot of elements as to what went wrong and just what we think about the season moving forward. But I just wanted to start right there that I was worried about season openers before like alarm bells going off, like every siren, every alarm bells going off after week one. Yeah, it has to be. That was, my worst case scenario didn't really include a performance like the one we saw last night. Like you said, physically matched by Central Arkansas and Oklahoma State just had a complete inability to run the ball until the defense got worn down. And I mean, you're not going to play Central Arkansas every week. That defense is not going to get down, worn down every week, especially if you're unable to sustain drives and keep the opposing defense on the field. Oklahoma State in the first half ran the ball 14 times for 45 yards. And you and I were texting, uh, I think, near halftime. There were a couple of third and twos in the first half where Oklahoma State lined up and tried to run the ball up the middle. Um, couldn't do it. Just getting stuffed. Couldn't get half of it to set up a fourth and one. Uh, I mean, you go out on third and two and try to run it up the middle, and now you're punting on fourth and three against Central Arkansas. It was very concerning that Oklahoma State could not out-physical them at the line. Uh, Preston Wilson wasn't out there for a non-football-related reason that Mike Gundy after the game said was between – he and Preston, he said, look, he's not in legal trouble. I don't, y'all don't need to waste your time going and trying to figure out what it is, but that's uh, a little bit of a weird deal. I think it was Springfield that went off with an injury in the first half. Um, the offensive line again, Carson just looks problematic. And and I really think 
the running backs were fine in the fourth quarter when they had holes. I thought the receivers, um, when they had the ball in space, looked pretty good. The drops were concerning. But, man, until things are figured out at quarterback and figured out at the offensive line, I mean, boy, it's going to be tough sledding for Oklahoma State. I just I can't believe that they were not able to push Central Arkansas around. That is incredibly concerning um, as you head into a, a Big 12 schedule with some teams that can score some points. Yeah, Wilson out, injuries, Springfield. Like it's it's a recurring nightmare is the Oklahoma State offense. That's that's where we're at. And I, I tweeted during the game, Colby, the last time Oklahoma State had an elite offense, forget elite, just an explosive offense was when. I mean, and I mean consistently for like that's their identity. 2017, Mason Rudolph, Mike Yursich, who everyone seemed to hate. I mean, at some point, and I think the point is right here and now unless they just dramatically turn things around, start running like they they used to run the football. I think we got to just understand and, and come to grips with Colby that OSU has a bad offense. It's not good. They can't run the football. They don't have a quarterback, which we'll get into. And I think I've just come to terms with maybe Oklahoma State just doesn't have that identity anymore on offense. Maybe Mike Gundy has completely lost the plot with Casey Dunn because – you're right. They only had 52 rushing yards through three quarters against Central Arkansas. And again, I went to Norman with my wife. They made Arkansas State look worse than Central Arkansas, who's a lower level opponent. Like this is this this was an this is probably as bad of a debut game in a season in which you win that you can possibly have. Missouri State games close. But I, I think Missouri State was better than Central Arkansas is this year. I mean, I is is Oklahoma State Colby just a straight up bad offensive football program now? Yes, absolutely. Oklahoma State is poor offensively. Um, like you said, they don't have a quarterback. I, I think throughout camp, it was like all three of these guys look good and they're having a hard time deciding. I think the reality is none of these guys are superstars. You just need a guy who can go out there and do enough to win you some games this year. And you know, we saw flashes of that from each of the three last night. I think the drops hurt Bowman more than it hurt the other guys. I think that they were a little more key in some spots whenever Bowman was out there. Um, yeah, th this is not a good offensive football team at all. I think we were all really surprised at the end of last season. You know, Mike Gundy um, kind of blew up when, when asked after the bowl game about any potential staff changes. And, I mean, Casey Dunn gets retained at, at some point. We're just looking at a bad offense and we're looking at it over and over and over again. 10 yards just, it seems tough. 10 yards shouldn't seem tough, especially not against Central Arkansas. First downs have never been a problem in Mike Gundy's tenure at Oklahoma State up until this recent little stint here where Oklahoma State has just lost its offensive identity. It is so vanilla. It is so basic. It is so easy to defend. The defense doesn't look stressed out. They don't look like they're having to cover guys going a million different directions. Um, you know, I thought one of the best, most underrated plays in the game, about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, Gunner takes a snap, stands in there for about three seconds with a nice pocket, and Brendan Presley's just running that mesh route underneath. Nobody comes with him, and he ends up getting like 30 yards after the catch. There are very few plays like that for Oklahoma State in this offense where yardage comes easy. Everything is difficult. E even the dime that Gunner dropped in uh, early in the fourth quarter up the left sideline. That's a great play. That's a great throw and catch. That's an incredibly high level of difficulty play and not something that you can rely on week in and week out, series in and series out to make sure that you're getting guys into space and getting easy yardage. 
you know, I, I, I watched Colorado and TCU. I watched that OU game. I watched a bunch of college football yesterday. So much college football. And all over the country, there are teams getting guys into space, teams playing fast, teams moving the ball around, spreading the ball around. And Oklahoma State just looks like they're playing in a phone booth with, with the running game, with the passing game, with all of it. And at some point, yeah, we're, we're well into the Casey Dunn era now, and the offense is just bad. Um, and, and Carson, I'm, I'm almost mad at myself for believing them this off season whenever they told me they were going to be able to run the ball. I, I really don't know why I believe that. Um, I'm very concerned about the running game, a, a fourth quarter, uh, resurgence against central Arkansas, a team that was obviously tired last night gives me no hope moving forward for the running game. I agree. And I want to get into what Mike was doing with quarterbacks, but to your point, you just referenced, I mean, Mike Gundy re- chose to retain Casey Dunn. He chose to retain Charlie Dickey. This falls on Mike. This, 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 the program slipping offensively falls squarely on the head coach. I don't know what he was thinking retaining those two guys. Um, it is clear they needed a complete reset. I think he had a valid excuse to do so with Spencer Sanders being shown the door. And I just, I am baffled that Mike Gundy retained those two, knowing the problems they've had on offense for years now. It's, it's frankly, it's indefensible the the decision to keep those two based on their performance. Great guys. I've played golf with Casey Dunn, great dude, but the results haven't been there. And this is a results-based business. So that's first. Real, real uh, quick, Carson, if I can just hop in for one second, because somebody out there probably thinks that we are the prisoner of the moment after one game against Central Arkansas. You and I both said after last season on this podcast that Oklahoma State needed to change its offensive staff. So this is not an overreaction to one poor performance in the first game of the season. Anyone paying attention would would question what, what Oklahoma State's doing with their offensive coordinator, and particularly their offensive line coach. I mean, anyone half-watching could, could understand that changes needed to be made there. And Mike Gundy chose not to do it. That's his prerogative, but now he's got – He's got real issues to figure out. All right, let's get into the quarterback. Just saga, we'll call it. Uh, hot potato. Um, Gundy losing his mind again about quarterback play. I mean, for <laughs> this immediately, Colby, goes into the annals of Mike Gundy's, let's just call it questionable de- decisions at quarterback. Which, again, for a guy who played the position, to seemingly get it wrong anytime there's remotely a question is just it's hard to do like that's that's hard to even be wrong that often um he starts Garrett Rangel let's just start there how did you think Garrett Rangel played I thought Garrett Rangel played fine um I thought the the interception um the left tackle was was bullfighting just Olay moved out of the way he got hit ball went up in the air other than that I thought he was fine I, I mostly thought all three of them we're just fine. I was surprised that Rangel took the first snaps for sure. Um, I, I don't know if that was indicative of how they were maybe ranking them 1A, 1B, 1C, because Mike Gundy even said after the game, he's like, we had a plan going in. You know, you said something about hot potato. It wasn't really hot potato. They weren't riding a hot hand. They weren't rotating series. It, it's like, Garrett Rangel, you're assigned to this mini series. Bowman, you're assigned this mini series. Gunner, you're assigned this mini series. And that's pretty much um, how they did it. I, I was. I was pretty confused. I, I didn't think it was just going to be an equal third of the game for each player, and I thought all three of them just looked fine. I, I thought Gunner's 
stint looked a lot better, but Gunner got 97 rushing yards uh, on 14 carries in the fourth quarter. The other guys got no run support whatsoever, and Bowman suffered some really bad drops. Uh, the Blaine Green post drop was pretty bad. First play of the game, I think, for Bowman, he swings it out to Jaden Bray. It's a little high, but it hits him right in the hands, right above his helmet, and he drops it. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's a long way to answer your Garrett Rangel question, but fine. Just, just absolutely fine, five out of ten. As, as the game wore on and I saw the other quarterbacks, I I would have gone back to Rangel. Again, I I thought he was better than fine. I thought he flashed a little bit with his running ability. He he brings a different dimension. Obviously, Gunner was able to run some as well. But I, I just I liked the move to go to Bowman. I thought that Rangel played pretty good. And I, that's who I actually would go with at quarterback moving forward. But and the reasons being, uh, I thought Alan Bowman came in and was far more aggressive throwing the football. That's why his numbers Aren't as the I thought Garrett Rangel kind of just mostly took what the defense was giving him a lot of drop offs, a lot of safe passes early on. I would have liked to have seen him be more aggressive, like Alan Bowman was. Now it didn't go well for Alan Bowman; his completion percentage was pretty bad, and the drop certainly had something to do with that. I just those two guys were fine, as you put it, and I agree with that. I just think Rangel's getting slighted a little bit based on how he played. I don't think he he. I thought he looked better than fine. Um, if that makes sense, I know he, again, I, I just said he didn't, wasn't that aggressive, but I just think he has to be the guy moving forward based on what I've seen from Alan Bowman. Yeah. I, I would lean Rangel at this moment, but I'm not certain of it. I'm not, I thought he was, I thought he was, he was probably better, um, than the other two Gundy made the one really nice throw up the sideline. Uh, he was patient in the pocket and I thought Gunner played well. Prior to last night, I wouldn't have thought Gunner needed to be in the conversation based on what we saw a season ago. I thought he looked uh, nervous and, and like this level was maybe a little bit above his skis. Now, I don't know. And and I see what you're saying against Rangel. He's got some athletic ability. He can move a little bit. Uh, better got, arm, I thought. Yeah, I think a little bit better arm with Rangel. Bowman was um, staring down his receivers a little bit. I mean, he would take the snap and kind of, you know, one pat, two pat. And he's, he's staring at the same guy. I, I think they even made note of it on the broadcast, the, the color commentator was like, wow, awfully brave of Bowman there to stare his receiver down for three seconds and still throw it. Um, <laughs> that, that, that was actually on a completion. So um, I, I would lean Rangel right now, but it's not a strong lean. I, I think in the next game, um, I, I think Rangel is probably going to be the starter against Arizona State on Saturday night. But I, I just don't know, Carson. Are they going to go into another game with just a, an equal three-way split at quarterback? Or are we actually going to see them start to to lean a direction? I think at some point you've got to start to lean a direction and give one guy a chance to get into a rhythm in the offense. Um, and then if he's playing poorly, then you can switch and do a multiple quarterback thing. But I think just going in and saying, all right, you're each getting four series regardless of how anybody's playing, I, I think that needed to be a one-night deal. Yeah, because I think you go into that game thinking you're going to blow Central Arkansas out to where that, that makes some sense. But... They're up 13 to six. I, I wrote trailing, uh, <laughs> or what was the score at that point? 13, seven. Yeah, it was 13, seven. And exactly. I wrote, they were trailing and here comes, here comes Gunner Gundy. I, I want your honest, dead, honest reaction. I know your, your mom, Kim is waving the Gunner, uh, banner right now. She was in my mentions, just like so many others, but give me your honest, honest take on when you saw Gunner Gundy running out there in a one score game. Holy bleep. That was my honest take when I saw Gunner running out there in a 13 to seven game as they headed into the fourth quarter, because I, I just, I thought, and again, this is going on off season narrative 
And Gunner did a good job last night. Gunner did a good job last night. I was happy for him. He played well. And he is in the conversation. He is firmly in the conversation um, for for Oklahoma State's quarterback moving forward this season. But based on what we'd seen from him last season at Oklahoma State, when he came out and you had the shot of his hand shaking, and then he comes out and his first couple passes are a little wide, uh, a little bit of an overthrow. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is happening. And then all of a sudden, he, he settled in. He figured it out. Started throwing some good balls and uh, looked pretty good. But when he first ran out there, I was, I mean, I was pressing the panic button. I was freaking out. I'm like, this, this could go poorly. Um, fortunately, it went the right way. But yeah, it was, it was interesting when I saw him trotting out there. What did you think? I honestly couldn't believe it. In a, in a one score, I, I literally kept saying the game is on the line, and he's going to his son at quarterback, who again is a walk on. Had offers from Toledo and Eastern Michigan. And again, this is, just like you mentioned earlier, this is not hindsight here for me. This is, as soon as he agreed to come to Oklahoma State, I said this is going to be a problem. And it's not fair to him. It's a lose-lose for him because even if he is the best quarterback and wins the job, it's going to look like nepotism. And if he's not the best quarterback, and I don't think he is, I don't think anyone does, other than some loyal and true enthusiasts in my timeline, it's going to look even worse. And so, and, and here's the key difference here. Drake Stoops, for, for a, a like for like, apples to apples example here. Drake Stoops, son of legendary coach Bob Stoops. The key difference between him and Gunnar Gundy is he had a Power 5 scholarship offer from Iowa State to play in the Big 12. Gunnar Gundy had no offers from Power 5 schools. And again, I don't want this is not going to turn into a beat up Gunnar Gundy situation here for me. He played he played awesome. He played he played the best of the 3. I'm just saying the decision making process that led to this to happen is inexcusable. Drake Stoops had an offer to play in the Big 12 at a team that had just beaten Oklahoma and Iowa State. Gunnar Gundy wasn't on that level. And I think a lot of OSU fans say, well, schools just knew that Gunner wanted to go to OSU. You don't think Iowa State knew that Drake Stoops wanted to play at Oklahoma? They didn't care. They offered him a scholarship. That didn't happen here. And <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I have people in my mention saying, well, Gunner's clearly the best quarterback. Clearly needs to be the starter. I don't know why you're so up in arms. What's going to happen, Colby, when they're not playing Central Arkansas? What's going to happen when they're playing Oklahoma? And you have a walk-on son of the head coach. How's that going to look? Now, Colby, maybe he'll prove me wrong and just light it up this year. But I have my doubts. That's that's what I was thinking about as the game wore on. Um. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I, I Gunner played well. Again, this isn't the beat up Gunner show. I don't think either one of us think that he is the starter moving forward. Um. He played well last night, but I think context has to be applied. And I understand that he played well and, and that people want to look at it and say, well, you know, Rangel and Bowman in eight drives, there were 13 points scored. Gunner, three drives, his first three drives, last drive, they just kneeled it out. Three drives, 14 points. So, so you just look at it on that level, and it's like, yeah, Gunner operated the offense better. They moved down the field. They scored points. It was in the fourth quarter against an FCS opponent, and Oklahoma State ran the ball at a 6.7-yard-per-carry clip in the fourth quarter against a tired defense. He, he got the one-on-one matchup out up the left sideline. That's a beautiful throw. Um, but, yeah, I, I think context is important. I, I don't know 
if you flip Rangel and Rangel gets six, almost seven yards per carry run support, if Bowman gets almost seven yards per carry run support, how different does that look if you're facing a tired Central Arkansas defense? Context is important. Um, and, and I don't even know that I can sit here and say with certainty that maybe Gunner doesn't end up being the guy, but I certainly can't sit here and say that Gunner is the guy. I, I think right now I would probably – tentatively rank them. It's hard to even say it's, it's such a small sample size. I, I liked what I saw from Rangel. I think he's got a little more pop in his arm. Um, and, and I think he's got a little bit better wheels. So I'd say Rangel at one man. It, it's so tough with the context. Bowman had the drops gunner played against the tired defense. Um, I'll, I'll let those guys be, be two a and two B for now. I don't know that I really saw much of a differentiator between Bowman and Gunner last night. Um, you probably, you probably lean Bowman because of the just overall experience, body of work, older guy thrown for more than 5,000 yards in his career. Like he's seen more, he's been around more. Um, but yeah, I think it's very muddy for Oklahoma state at quarterback and and they've got to get it figured out quick. Carson, I, I was pretty bullish that they would get through this non-conference undefeated. And I am far less. So after a really, really underwhelming performance last night, yeah, good tweet here from Asa Manship. I give Gundy's son credit for how he played, but Rangel faced the defense when they were fresh. To your point, he commanded with poise and knew to use his legs. The INT was because he got hit. Gundy took advantage of what I'll assume is not a great conditioned team. Rangel is my quarterback one. I don't let I'm not done yet. Let, let's parse this out. What do you make of Mike Gundy sticking to this? preconceived game plan of four series apiece or, you know, splitting it into thirds when it's a one score game, you just, you stick to it with your 13 quarterback. Did that have to, was that because it was his son Colby or because he just said, you know what? I'm burying my head in the sand. I don't care what the score is. We're sticking to our plan, which is it. I don't think it was because it's, uh, it was his son. I think it's because it was his plan. I think that's what it was. He, he had the plan going in. He didn't Don't want- you scrap the plan when you're up six points to Central Arkansas? Seemingly. Seemingly. I, I thought that Rangel might get more time early in the game. I mean, we're talking about the fourth quarter exchange, late third, early fourth, uh, with Bowman and Gundy there. I thought Rangel actually might get to stay in until halftime and try to build um, on the touchdown drive and the throw that he made to Brennan early in the game on the little sweep. Nice play by Brennan to get into the end zone there. I still think they have to find more ways to get the ball in his hands. But, no, I think it's just because it was the plan. I don't think it was because it was his son. Um, I, I think that they were so undecided that regardless of what was happening in the game, that's when they were exchanging their quarterbacks. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Again, Gunner played well in the fourth quarter. I feel like we're going to get tweets about that. That, that. That's We can keep throwing that caveat in if you want to, but we all thought the same thing when he trotted onto the field, uh, and I was very much wanting and expecting to see Garrett Rangel again. Well, and I, I was too, and I, I was kind of surprised at how my opinion shifted. I, I wanted to see Bowman. Once I saw Bowman, I, it made me reflect more on how Rangel played. And really that added dimension, uh, I guess, arm strength and running ability, I think is kind of the differentiator for me uh, with between Rangel and Bowman. Um, but again, I, I got. Te- I was texting my boy, Matt Amillion, been on this podcast before. He was early days with PFP and Kyle Porter. He made a great point. Like, th- th- this comes back to Mike Gundy. In the day and he, his point was the day and age of the transfer portal and this is your quarterback room, that that falls on the head coach. I mean, that this is where the program is under his watch, and you literally don't have a quarterback. 
you don't have a, one that you feel comfortable enough. They split the game into thirds, Colby. That's how much they do not have someone who took the reins. Uh, <laughs> I had plenty of conspiracy theory OU fans texting me that I'm friends with saying that oh, this was a ploy for for Mike to hand the reins to his son Gunner. This was all a ruse. I, I certainly don't believe that. But the fact that he had this plan and stuck with it is alarming and it's damning for how Mike Gundy has handled the quarterback position at Oklahoma State. Yeah, it absolutely is. And and we get a good uh a good tweet here from Mbop on Twitter. Seems like there was no what was that? Mbop. Mbop, like the song? Mbop, like the song, yeah. H M M B Yeah. That's uh seems like there was noticeable concern from Gundy in his postgame presser. Is that a good sign, not downplaying everything like he usually does, or a bad sign? We really are that bad. I think Gundy has some of the same concerns that we have. I think he has some I, I really think that he's having a lot of the same conversations we're having today. There was optimism in the offseason, and I think he was optimistic in the offseason. I don't think he is today. I think he saw his team go out and kind of get punched in the mouth a little bit by Central Arkansas last night, have a few quarterbacks who look okay, but not great, and an offense that really struggled to run the ball and looked pretty easy for Central Arkansas to defend most of the game. So I, I think it is legitimate concern from Mike Gundy um, after an August of optimism that maybe this team is not going to be as good uh, as we thought it was. The over-under was 6.5. Um, you texted me and thought about hammering it. I thought about hammering it. Uh, my mom even was thinking about betting it. None of us did. <laughs> and we're all sitting here on Sunday morning really glad uh, that we didn't place some money on the over six and a half because they don't build those hotels on people who uh, <laughs> who, who, who make winning bets on their favorite team. I'm so glad I stayed away. If the line had been a little better, the juice, I would have uh, hammered that as well. And, man, I felt so stupid watching that game last night, thinking that this team could win nine, maybe even – I even went to ten at one point during our pod. I, I felt so stupid. I felt so duped. And that's on me. I, I, I own that. But to, to the question about Mike Gundy's demeanor in the postgame, Colby, do you remember how often Mason Rudolph would throw for like four or 500 yards and Mike Gundy would get up there and be like, ah, he played average. He, he yeah, missed some throws. About once a week. Yeah. And he has this just musical chairs – quagmire of a quarterback position he looks at me oh they played good they all played good they all did some nice things like me and Kyle Porter used to joke about how hard he was on Mason Rudolph and I think this is we're right back to where we've been when uh maybe that's him just trying to build those guys up and I, I think that's probably more it, it wouldn't do him any good I think to pile on and say well it, none of them really did much but again I just oh I just I cannot believe that the, the quarterback situation is what it is uh, we had a we had a question um, I can't find it, but basically, who who do you think starting against Arizona State, Colby? I think Rangel will take the first snap against Arizona State. What do you think? Like, if you're, let's just put yourself in Mike Gundy's shoes. How would you handle it as far as like a game plan with the quarterbacks? Because I I have a I have a very keen idea on what I would do. I don't think you can just do the revolving door again, like a plan to go in and give guys a certain amount of series. I think. You play Rangel and you let him stay out there until and unless you feel like the offense is really stalled. If you feel like the offense is really stalled, then you pull him and you play multiple quarterbacks. If he's on a roll, you let him go. So I'm, I, I guess I'm okay with the idea of multiple quarterbacks when a guy's not distancing himself. 
but only if it's in a situation where you're letting a guy have a chance to get into a rhythm, and then if he's not operating the offense and you can't move the football, then you make a change. But a preset, predetermined, we're changing after this number of series, um, I would not do that moving forward. I, I think I would start Rangel and give him a reasonable leash to get through at least about a quarter and a half, see how the offense is going. If it's good, keep him out there. If it's bad, get one of the other guys out there and uh, try to light a spark. Well, my main thing is, and I, I like that too. And I, I just, my main thing is I don't want, and I I've been in this position where you're in a position battle and you just, you, you're kind of looking over your shoulder and you know, every single play, you don't like, you're just trying not to screw up. I think Mike needs to sit him down and instill some confidence in, in one of them and say, you're playing the entire first half. And at that point, if we're not scoring enough points, we'll reevaluate, but you're getting an entire half. And I think that has to be Garrett Rangel based on what I saw with his mobility, uh, his, his arm strength. I just think he's the better player than the other two. And I think Mike needs to sit them all down and be like, guys, we're not doing the third thing. Rangel is going to get the start. He's going to play the entire first half, and then we're going to reevaluate. So that gives Garrett Rangel a full half. He's not wondering, is this series when I come out? Is the next series? That's why you don't see this very much in college football because it's such a mental game as well as physical. So that's what I would do, Colby. I would tell Rangel you get an entire runway of a first half, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I'd be fine with that too. I, I think that that's kind of along the lines of where I was at. I said a quarter and a half, a half. I, I think that you want one guy to go out there knowing that he's going to have the chance to operate the offense. Um, I, I also just, I think regardless of which quarterback it is, and, and we both think it'll be Rangel to start, you've got to have some run support. And Casey Don has got to take some shots down the field, spread the defense out, make them defend more than just a quick slant and an underneath curl um, and, and an occasional, you know, screen pass to the outside. Like the offense is just so bland. And I don't think that that was just week one bland stuff. You know, Garrett Rangel, he got to throw one pass up the sideline early in the game to Deshaun Stripling, who looked really good in the first quarter. And then, you know, they weren't able to use him the rest of the game. Uh, Gunner got to throw the one pass up the sideline. But where is the explosive offense that we've seen from Oklahoma State for, you know, nearly 20 years at this point under Mike Gundy? For so long, this offense, you had to defend them vertically where is the guy who can get down the field and where is the willingness to call that play and for the quarterback to take the shot so that the defense can't just have 11 guys within 12 yards of the line of scrimmage it's just it's not working it is all too congested you do not have anyone in space when we talk about basketball Carson all everybody wants to do is talk about spacing a lot of the same principles apply with football you need the field spaced out you need the defenders spaced out so you can get guys into open areas to make throws easier for the quarterback to make run after catch yards a lot easier for the receivers and Oklahoma State just does none of that so I would like Rangel to get out there and to be put in a position to have success with a team that can run the ball a little bit Ollie Gordon had two touches two carries prior to the fourth quarter I is he not a good practice player I don't understand it there are there are things beyond just Mike Gundy's quarterback decisions that are making this offense be poor right now, and and I don't understand why this offense um, is so trapped in this tiny little box with this very, very limited route tree. They don't stretch the ball down the field. They don't make teams defend all over the field. Um, 
it's just way too easy of a scheme to defend, and I really need them to open it up a little bit. This this vanilla let's run slants and curls all day long with no motion and just let guys line up and and, and try to beat people. It's not working. And man, I just I feel like I'm beating my head against a brick wall asking for something different. I just felt like I was listening to a podcast from like two years ago. Like, and here we are. We're we're saying the same things, and it's just. Man, it's it's rough, and I, I'm so glad you transitioned. Let's transition to the running backs, and I agree with you. Like the indefensible, Ollie Gordon, a complete no show. They don't give him the ball. He's the best player on your offense besides Brennan Presley. You, you want to establish the run against Central Arkansas? Maybe they didn't attempt to even establish it. The the few times they had third and two in obvious run situations, they they lost a yard at one point. They couldn't even gain half the yardage as you said uh, when it was third and two against Central Arkansas. And I'm sorry, Colby, Ollie Gordon's best player on your team besides Brennan Presley on offense. And you, ha- this is what makes a good offensive coordinator. And I was so tired of people hating on Mike Yursich. You know what Mike Yursich did? He put the ball in his best player's hands and let him go to work. It's like pulling teeth to get the ball to Ollie Gordon in this offense. To eat, to play him last year was one thing. Now that he's a starter, they just refuse to give him the ball. That that stat you listed of his lack of touches till late in the game is just inexcusable. But man, he had the nice hurdle, Colby. Uh, he needs more touches, plain and simple. Yeah, he does. I again, I ask, is he a bad practice player? Is, is he? I don't know. I'm just. I'm trying. Well, I don't to- think he'd play if he was. I mean, that that's something those old college football coaches will not tolerate. Yeah, I I just I don't get it. Two carries. Prior to the fourth quarter, the guy just, he screams, athletic freak, the hurdle last night. I mean, he just runs up the middle. Guy's going to try to take his legs out. So he just jumps over him. The size, the speed, the athleticism, it all points toward RB1. It all points toward alpha RB1. 20 touches a game is what it points to. The guy gets two carries in the first three quarters when you can't run the football? Also, we were told all offseason how different the run game is going to look. It looked the exact same. The quarterback is standing in the shotgun. The running back's to his left. He takes the snap. He gives it to him. They run in between the guards for nothing. There's nothing there. It's so uncreative. Where? Uh, just- yeah, they, they kept saying that they were going to be under center more. They were pretty much strictly under shot, strictly playing out of shotgun. So all that... All this talk and jargon about revamping the running game. You're right. You texted me during the game. It looks it, the running game looks the exact same, and that's that's not a compliment. I I will say though, yeah, I would reiterate all the things you said about Ollie Gordon. He has to be more involved. Clearly, the, the the biggest talent they have on the team at running back. I will say, Colby, would you think of Elijah Collins? I thought he flashed a little bit. I I think he can be. He looked a little. Oh God, what was. What was the kid's name? The little bowling ball looking running back that transferred to Tulsa. Um, the transfer to Tulsa. Tay, Tay Tay. Oh yes, I know who you're talking about. I'm not now that I need to pull his name out. I'm not going to be able to, but I know who you're talking about. Oh, you, you know exactly who I'm talking about. But he looked a little bowling ballish back there. I I liked what I saw out of him. The the transfer. Yeah, he looked decent. Eight for 41 and the uh, 17-yard touchdown run last night. Seven for 44 for Ollie Gordon. 627 for Jaden Nixon. It was 
The the stat line for the backs ended up, I think, looking better than the run game actually was last night. Again, I think Central Arkansas just got tired in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know how else to describe a first half where Oklahoma State could not create a gap whatsoever for anybody to run through. Uh, and then in the second half, they're just Raymond <clears throat> Taylor. God, Taylor, there Raymond you. Ray Tay. That's what it was. I said Tay Tay. Ray Tay. Sorry, I was sorry. Sorry, I interrupted there. I was googling uh, who the yeah. hell that was. No, that was the one. I just, yeah, I, I don't think the run game was uh, as good as even the stat sheet would indicate, and the stat sheet doesn't indicate anything overly impressive. <clears throat> I saw something else last night. It was after the, I think it was like a 42-yard uh, play. It was Ollie Gordon run or screen or something early in the fourth quarter. It gets called back because of holding, and on the broadcast, and again, this is in the fourth quarter, they're saying, yeah, that would have been Oklahoma State's biggest play of the night, and this goes back to what I talk about with Oklahoma State and just the fact that this is no longer an explosive offense. This used to be a team, Carson, that we could count on consistently being in the top 10 in the country in plays of 20-plus yards. Like, this was a team that could stretch the field, could get guys into space, and could do all the things that they now seemingly have an inability to do. And, uh, yes, I, I know that I went on a tangent after being asked an Elijah Collins question. I think he looks good. I think it's a small sample size, but but he's certainly earned uh, the ability to be more in that secondary role. I just I, – I still don't see how this is not a 60% touch share, snap share to Ollie Gordon – and the other guys split the other 40. It, it just, it has to be more Ollie heavy and they have to figure out a way, uh, the offense as a whole, to get back to more plays of 20 plus yards uh, and making, making just creating more stress for the defense um, because they're doing a, such a poor job of that right now. Yeah, I agree. I got to have more Ollie, but I did like what I saw at Elijah Collins and Jaden Nixon was, was fine. But Colby, they ended up averaging 4.8 yards on the ground due to the you know the fourth quarter uh with Gunner Gundy in there they ran the ball much more effectively but through that it was more of the same averaging about three yards carry and that that's going to get them beat time and time again in the big 12. Uh, what'd you make of the receiving core I thought Stribling played okay played good enough um but Brennan Presley's a star uh, I love the manufactured touch they got for him for the touchdown uh he he's he really reminded everyone that when you get the ball in his hands, Mike Gundy said this, that good things happen. And that's that needs to be a focal point. He needs to have, instead of six catches, he needs to have about 12 uh, per game, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so okay with just repeatedly feeding the ball to your best players. Again, I said Ollie Gordon should be a 20 carry a game guy. He, he should be a bellhouse RB1. I think Brennan Presley should be a 10 to 12 touch a game guy minimum, whether they're manufactured, whether they're because he's beating somebody in a route, whatever the case is, I really think that Ollie Gordon and Brennan Presley should be combining for a minimum of 30 touches a game. Get your playmakers out in space and see what they can do. Uh, they bought, brought Brennan into the backfield a couple of times last night. One of them was on the little swing pass uh, out to the left where he splits a couple of defenders, shakes another guy off, gets into the end zone, and then they actually gave him the ball, handed it to him out of the backfield. He runs up the middle, um, off right guard, I think it was, for five yards, and you, you just have to do more to get in the ball. Stribling looked really good early. He had the nice play where he went up and didn't full-on Moss a defender, but just made a nice play, high-pointing the football on that throw from Garrett Rangel. I thought he looked pretty good. Bray looked good aside from the drop uh, whenever Bowman initially came into the game. I think those three are pretty clearly heads and tails. You're, you're starting three receivers. Shetron had one catch. Uh, Rashad Owens touched the ball a couple of times. Blaine Green had three catches. He had a big drop coming across the middle whenever Alan Bowman was in there. So 
again, I, I think I feel really good about your first three receivers, Stribling, Bray, and Presley. Beyond that, I, I think you're kind of piecing it together and let's see what happens. But uh, yes, I, I need I need 10 to 12 touches a game minimum for Brennan Presley moving forward. Absolutely agree. Um, I, I thought the receivers were, like you said, top three good. There's some questions there behind them. I will say that I do feel for them a little bit because they're catching passes from three different quarterbacks. And, you know, that's that's three different throwing motions. The way guys, the way guys throw the football is a certain way each time. Um, certain guys throw it differently than others. So there's an adjustment there. And I certainly don't excuse the drops. I mean, that's you got to do your job. There's no excuses no matter what quarterback's in there. But I do feel for them a little bit just on timing and just the way the entire operation works when – you don't know what quarterback's going to be out there when there's they're playing three of them. So that's that's kind of where we're at on offense, Colby. It was a, it was a calamity. Uh, what, let's transition to the defense. What'd you make of uh, the new look three three five? Oh boy, a little bit of a rough start, right? First drive, you go down. Penalties were the only thing that kept Central Arkansas out of the end zone, and then you blocked the field goal. I mean, that just felt like um, an exhale right there. I mean, the way that game started, I'm like, man. Go down seven nothing. You're coming back on Central Arkansas already, but kept them out of the end zone again, thanks to some penalties. Um, one of them a formational penalty, just kind of some luck there for Oklahoma State. At times, the defense looked fine and was getting some stops, and at times they just looked like a wet paper towel that was getting torn through. Um, wide open holes in the middle. I I have concerns about the front seven. I I just didn't see a ton of. Uh, they weren't throwing Central Arkansas around. They weren't overly physical. I think Colin Oliver still is has some work to do to, to really get comfortable uh, in his spot. Tackling was okay. Um, and if tackling's okay against Central Arkansas, I don't know how that bodes moving forward. So I thought it was a fine defensive performance. They, they gave up 13 points. They didn't get torched. But, man, it, it didn't inspire a ton of confidence. I'm, I'm not jumping the gun on Oklahoma State defensively and, and declaring it panic because – Offense, I think that these are habitual problems that have been running through the program for years now. The defense has been kind of up and down. At times, they've been able to figure it out. At times, they've struggled. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give Brian Nardo time. First game in a new scheme. Uh, Gundy said afterward that they were very vanilla, didn't do a lot of exotic things. They wanted to get into base, let guys get comfortable. So uh, we'll see if they do some more of that stuff moving forward. But the front seven, I think, for me, is a concern, Carson, because um, – you, you just can't allow teams to have that much room and, and those wide of holes right up the middle. No, that's that's my number one concern is stopping the run from here on out. And the tackling was poor. It was a big talking point after the game. But I, I kind of liked, you know, they, let's face it, Colby, they, they pitched a shutout in the first half. Uh, I don't care who OSU was playing. That's something that, that we haven't seen a lot out of Oklahoma State defenses, barring the Jim Knowles era when they went to the Fiesta Bowl. So I... I liked what I saw for the most part in that they they really limited them, um, really forced some three and outs. Uh, the, the tackling has to get corrected. And again, this is that tough spot where they don't probably do a lot of hitting in practice. They certainly don't even go to the ground. And I think you see the results there. Now, I thought certain guys stood out. Again, I just think Kendall Daniels is just a ball hawk. I mean, he had 11 combined tackles. Uh, Nathan Latou had a sack and a half. I thought he really flashed. But uh, overall, nothing to write home about. But they did their job. They they forced they forced Central Arkansas. You know, before the game, Colby, what do we what do we pick the score to be? I mean, we we both gave Central Arkansas at least thirteen points. So I thought it was a, a solid debut from the defense. 
Yeah, true. I, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. I think that um, that they were bailed out by some really poor special teams on the kicking front for Central Arkansas. Just well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, an inability to, to get a good snap back to the holder, uh, an inability for the for the kicker to get to the ball in time. Essentially, you got Corey Black coming off the edge with a block, and then you get another block right up the middle later in the game. Corey Black almost had that one too; might have tipped it uh, before. I think it was Walter Scheid got a a a big hand on it in the middle there. So. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think the special teams for Central Arkansas was a disaster, which made the defense look a little bit better. Um, I, I would still say my concerns are much more on the offensive side of the ball. Kendall Daniels got his hand on the ball last night. That was good. Uh, nearly had another strip. The guy just barely was down uh, before he got the ball out, rolling over toward the sideline. So I, I think that there were some good things on the defense, but I, I still really worry that there might be a game or two like like Lawrence and Manhattan last year where they just get gashed up the middle in the run game. And um, whenever that happens, you're just pretty much cooked. So um, not not panicking about the defense by any means. I think there were some good things there, uh, but I think I, I'm still very uncertain that that front seven is going to be able to hold up throughout a full Big 12 schedule. I wish I had a like a participation report on the number of snaps because – much like things haven't changed with the running game and on offense, Colin Oliver just didn't seem to really be on the field. And when he was, he was pretty much a non-factor. And that's just something that remains a mystery to me. I mean, was it just that Jim Knowles knew how to use him? Nobody else can figure out how to use him? I don't get it. I don't get it. Colin Oliver comes out. The dude is a star as a freshman. An absolute nationwide star freshman all-american we're, we're talking about all the sacks this guy you know it, is he gonna play on sundays one day now we've got a guy that kind of sees the field here and there sometimes and doesn't really make any impact on the game i don't understand how we've gotten from where we were with colin oliver in 2021 to where we are with colin oliver in 2023 um and it's been it's been tough to see because that was a guy that you expected to be an impact player for your defense for years, and he just hasn't been. No. Um, anything else from offense, defense? Special teams obviously were great. They helped win the game. Uh, Corey Black was awesome blocking all those kicks. Alex Hale did the job. Uh, really helped win the game. So special teams were solid. Uh, you want to get into some Twitter questions or you want to go to uh, uniform review and bullets and BBs? Uh, let's do uniform review and bullets and BBs first. We nailed it. One for one. We're one for one. That was about the only thing that went right last night. Uh, this is brought to you by Chris's Mercy Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop for the uniform review. And again, both of you and I just, we didn't overthink it. We, uh, we stuck to the basics, uh, white, orange, white. Although overall I, on TV, I didn't think it looked all that great. What I mean, the, the orange face mask I get they were trying to pair with the um, the jersey. I might have gone with either a white or a black face mask. I just the orange face mask doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I didn't think the uniforms looked all that great personally. I would have preferred a white face mask. I think I'm I'm usually a little preferential uh, to the white. I just think it looks clean, looks sharp. I thought that they looked good, not great. There will be better uniform combinations. Cursive Cowboys haven't been broken out yet. Um, I think the black jerseys are going to look really good when they decide to break those out. I think it might be a few weeks, but um, yeah, I think yesterday was a, a pretty easy one to predict. I think we'll have a little more trouble um, moving forward, going on the road next week, and I think we'll start to see some different combinations. But yeah, I think a white face mask would have helped a lot, make it look a little more, a little more icy, a little more clean. But all in all, they looked they looked fine. It was a it was good uniform debut, but nothing crazy. I saw some people wearing the white jersey in the stands on TV, like. 
Probably the biggest upgrade of the bunch is the is the road jersey. It looks awesome. So we're going to get to see that uh, next week. I, I'm looking forward to seeing the other combos. Uh, like you referenced with the black and then the the white jersey Colby has has been upgraded. It looks it looks solid. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well and we uh we'll be seeing that one on Saturday night, late Saturday night, I think. Yeah. All right, let's get to bullets and BBs, Colby. Uh plenty to choose from. You can do multiples. What do you got? All right. For bullets, I went away from Stillwater for my bullet. I just didn't see a whole lot there uh and I was not prepared to give it to someone who kicks the football in week one. Prime time is getting my bullet for week <laughs> one. Carson, it was unbelievable. You talk about a team with a, an offense that's explosive, that can get out and make big plays, that can get guys into space. My God, Shadur Sanders, 38 of 47, 510, four touchdowns. Dylan Edwards scores four touchdowns, five catches for 135 yards. Travis Hunter, 11 for 119 on the offensive side of the ball and makes the play of the weekend maybe defensively with that diving interception. The pregame speech, I watched that video this morning. I mean, prime, I've been a prime guy. I said it was a great hire for Colorado. Um Boy, they burst onto the scene yesterday. Tough look for TCU off the national runner-up coming out. Chandler Morris, I thought, looked really bad through two picks going into the end zone, even though one of them was a great play. One of them was just a terrible decision, hitting a linebacker in the hands across the middle. The, the post-game speech from Dion, you know, he's talking about getting a hot tub for Travis Hunter on the plane to make sure he stays loose. He, he's talking about his sons right here. He's talking about keeping receipts. It's fun. I just like football to be fun. And when I watch Oklahoma State, I'm miserable and I just wish that they could be explosive and have fun and that it was just fun to watch. And that's what Colorado was. That's what Prime is. He's fun. Um, and the fact that they won their debut makes it that much more fun. So uh, they get all all the bullets from me because that was uh, that was impressive. I didn't see it coming. It was impressive. They were what twenty one point underdogs and went out right. I mean that that's the power of Prime and it's the power of the transfer portal. Uh, that Hunter kid was number one player in the country. Uh, his son was Louis was... Carson. That luggage was Louis. <laughs> yeah, I mean they. How good can they be this? I mean, who do they get next? Don't they play somebody? Don't they play like Nebraska? Nebraska. They're gonna beat the sh- the you know what out of Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska, they've got Nebraska, Colorado State, so they're going to start 3-0, and and then they're going to get beat by Oregon. They're going to get dropped by Oregon, uh, and then they play USC the following week. That is a yeah. tough start to conference play to open no Oregon, kidding. USC. But then after that, they go Arizona State, Stanford, UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, Utah. I think they're probably uh, an eight-win football team, but that would be really good in year one for Dion. Yep. My bullet's going to Gunnar Gundy. I uh, thought he – Flat out went out there and won the game. Now there are other caveats we've mentioned multiple times about playing them when their Central Arkansas was tired. But hell, he made a great deep ball, perfect throw uh, to really kind of unlock that that game late in the game. And again, it's not his fault that his dad's putting him in the game up six. And I thought he played really well. I thought he played the best of the three. If, if I had to put it down to that, again, there's there's caveats, there's situation, but make no mistake. He played well when they absolutely needed him to because I, I don't think he should have been in the game. That's just me, but I'm still willing to give him uh, all the credit because he went out there and made some plays. Yeah, as much as we're talking earlier in the pod about he's probably not the starter moving forward, doesn't take anything away from me, what he did last night 
with the game very much in the balance. You give that ball back Central Arkansas too many times up 13-7, to you're not feeling too good about the possibility of them taking a one-point lead in the fourth quarter. There was a ton of pressure on Gunner whenever he went into that game because if it had gone the other way, the criticism for both him and Mike, the nepotism charges, it's I, I joked in our family group chat last night, I said it's only nepotism if he throws a pick. Right? I mean, that's what it is. It's only nepotism if it's bad. So there was a lot of pressure on Gunnar Gundy, uh, and he performed. So good job by him. My BB, Carson, is going to the conference, the Big 12 conference. Carson, I love almost as much as anything. I love making fun of the Big 10. Not today. No, sir. Not today. Penn State, 38-15 over West Virginia. TCU loses at home to Colorado, a Colorado team, admittedly, better than everybody thought it was going to be. That was a lot of fun. I was I was rooting for Colorado to win that game just because uh, it was so much fun to watch. But keep scrolling down the list here. Let's go to Waco. How about a 42-31 to 31 loss to Texas State? Yeah, it was bad in Stillwater last night. It was worse in Waco. Texas Tech goes to Wyoming, loses in double overtime. Houston squeaks past UTSA with a 17-14 to victory. BYU is able to hang 14 points on vaunted Sam Houston. They win that game 14 to nothing. It was a rough opening Saturday for the Big 12 Conference. Um, so, yeah, all, all around, the conference gets my BB. The Big 12 might stink. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Also, oh, Carl, as much as I would love to, we're, uh, Iowa. we're Iowa now. You know that, right? What's that? We're Iowa. No, that's that's what I tweeted last night. I was like, you know what? Maybe OSU is just Iowa. Maybe that uh, bad offense, kind of mediocre defense, and maybe that's just what we're resigned to. Did you like, see Iowa had their first first time since 1991 they opened the season with a touchdown pass? Yeah, I did see that. That's a real statistic. Um, so I, I celebrated my 31st birthday yesterday. I was born more recently, uh, than Iowa had opened the season with a first drive touchdown pass. Well, just, yeah. Touchdown pass like 1991. (laughs) I was what? Seven years. I was seven years old. To be fair. When you only throw seven touchdown passes a season, your odds are really limited that one of them is going to be on the first drive of the year. Uh, Northwestern and Rutgers are apparently playing right now. Are they like in London or something? Are they? Well, no, okay. it's eleven twenty-seven, but I don't know where they are. But they're they're playing right now. It's seven nothing Rutgers. That's how bad. That's how down bad Northwestern is. Okay, great. Uh, my BB is going to go to Mike Gundy again. Just horrible debut. Uh, really an embarrassing performance from his offense, from his defense at times, and really just an embarrassing quagmire of a quarterback situation. And that falls on him. I mean, again, the transfer portal is just ripe. He tells Spencer Sanders to kick rocks. And this is what they're left with. Um, seemingly no one's taken the reins to where he's literally splitting it up into thirds. And there is, it is not a, it is a lose-lose situation having his son as an option now. It just is. It's going to end poorly no matter what happens. It's going to end really bad. So I got to give my Gundy a, a BB because that was a terrible, terrible performance against a really bad Central Arkansas team. Like you and I talked up a few players. They went five and six last year. Uh, that that was that was just they haven't fixed the running game. He retained Casey Dunn. He retained retained Charlie Dickey, and now you got this again. I'm gonna call it a a soap opera 
with his son involved in a quarterback competition. It's I'm not liking how bullish I was on the Cowboys after week one. Now, again, they, they went on, they almost lost to Missouri state and they won the Fiesta bowl. So I'm, I'm trying my hardest not to overreact here, Colby. I'm trying very hard, but it's difficult. Yeah, that's there. That's, I understand why people want to draw the parallel there. I, I did see people joking on Twitter that the last time they nearly lost at home to an FCS school, they went on and won the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez isn't walking through that door. Neither is Devin Harper. Neither is Jason Taylor. Jark Bernard Converse. Um, Spencer Sanders. All these guys. All these guys. Right? Jalen Warren. Like, these guys aren't walking through the door. Um, th- this Oklahoma State team has, has many more problems than that one does. Uh, and I know we were concerned early in that year, but it's just – it's very different. Um, yeah, it, it's concerning moving forward, but um, I guess they'll do it again this Saturday at uh, in, in Tempe. That's a late game, isn't it? Did I ask this earlier? I need to just look up the kick time. Figure yeah, it just out. look it up. I'm not sure. I, 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 they're playing in Arizona, so I'd imagine it would be a late a late game for us here oh. in Central. Nine thirty. That's Eastern. So that would be what eight thirty here. Yep, eight thirty, and it'll probably get off uh, get off the ground a little bit after that. So, man. Well, you weren't you weren't worried last week about Arizona State. You worried now? Yeah, I'm worried about everything now. (laughs) Everything I said last week is null and void. That was again my worst case scenario last night. Did not include what we saw play out. Fourteen carries, forty five yards in the first half. Fourteen for forty five against Central Arkansas. I got my notes. I'm wadding them up. I'm wadding my notes up. I'm throwing them away. I don't want to look at it anymore. Oh, I think we've answered, we've answered most of the Twitter questions we got. I appreciate people sending those in. Um, anything else to got to you? Obviously we talked about prime time. I'm looking forward to Florida state LSU, but, uh, OU look pretty good. Colby, uh, Utah look pretty good. They're going to be a problem in the big 12. We talked about that last week, but again, Oklahoma took care of business against Arkansas state and Arkansas state's at a higher level than central Arkansas. I think they were kind of the one big 12 team that didn't look uh, lackluster because even Texas struggled somewhat with rice. Yeah. When you go out and you win what 37, 10 or whatever, like Texas did over rice, that's when it's the whole, yeah, lower level opponent. We'll see how this thing plays out. Oh, you dominated in every facet of the game, which is what you want to see in week one against an inferior opponent. It's what Oklahoma state used to do in week one against inferior opponents. Um, and, and I hate that it happened for the school down in Norman and not for Oklahoma state. Uh, my, my golf group text that I'm in is about mid first quarter yesterday. Oh, you already up 21, nothing or something on Arkansas state. So I sent the text. I, I was like, look, I don't want to overreact. I know it's first quarter of the first game, but I think we could be looking at an above 500 OU football team here. So, uh, that was probably my, my last joke I'll get to get off this season after the way Oklahoma state played last night. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts, but, uh, Colby one and know, uh, we'll have a fast, I mean, just again, a fascinating theater of what's going to happen on the road. That air game at Arizona state just got a lot more interesting based on what we saw, but one and know wins a win. Uh, any thoughts before we get out of here? Oh man. I, I think that I'm gonna have to take a nap Saturday so I can make it to midnight to the end of that Arizona state game. Ooh, it's, um, it's going to be interesting, but again, Oklahoma state wins. We'll, uh, get back with you, uh, next week. Sounds good. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate all the questions on Twitter. We'll preview Arizona state later in the week. Go pokes.